And now, to continue our Invisible War series is Mr. J.T. Myers. Welcome, J.T. Thank you. All right. Oh, I don't know what that was. Is that me? All right. Hey, well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Do you guys stay up late watching football? Anyone? Yeah, some of us. Hey, uh, we're going to be, like Michael said, continuing this series called The Invisible War. Um, Just to kind of recap, there there is a war going on. There is a war happening, um, and we can't see it with our physical eyes, but it is happening in the spiritual realm. And, and sometimes we see the effects of it. We can, we can experience some of, the, some of the things that are going on in it, but we can't see it. But it is real nonetheless. And over the past few weeks, we've been really uh, looking at and discussing who the enemy is in this war. Like who the enemy is. We've been talking about Satan and the whole kingdom of darkness and, and demonic forces. And, and last week, Michael talked about strongholds, that there's these areas in our life, there's behaviors and, and beliefs and actions that we can do that actually give Satan influence in our lives. And so over the past couple weeks, we've really been focusing on the enemy and how he attacks. But today, we're shifting gears a little bit. We are going to be discussing and looking at our role in the war, like how we can get involved and how we, uh, how we can uh, participate in this spiritual war. And specifically, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. It's a piece of scripture that is, that is pretty famous. It's, it's referred to as the armor of God. And I know many of you guys are familiar with the armor of God, but I remember a number of years ago, uh, I, was, I was sitting with a guy who was like a mentor to me, and we were, we were talking about this person who we both really respected, who uh, just fell away from the Lord, fell into sin, blew up his marriage, his ministry just kind of got devastated, and we were discussing that, and I remember asking him, like, how, how do we avoid letting Satan have a hold of our life like that? Like, how do we avoid falling into that kind of sin? And I remember uh, this guy said to me, he said, I think we need to really take the armor of God seriously. He said, so often we we sing songs to, to kids, and then we just kind of forget about it. We don't really think about the armor that God has given us to to fight against the enemy. And so I remember when he said that, like something like pierced into my heart. I thought, there's something to that. And so I began to study and, and look at the armor of God and think about its implications in my life. And, and so we're going to be discussing that today, and hopefully I can share some of those things that I felt like the Lord shared with me. And, um, but why don't we just pray, and we'll jump right into Ephesians chapter 6. So Jesus, we just invite you here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that uh, we get to gather together and worship you, and that you are with us, and we just pray that you speak to us as we study your word. Amen. 
All right, so like I said, this is Ephesians chapter 6. This was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and this is the very end of the letter when Paul, is, he's given them all these instructions and, and telling them who they are in Christ, and this is what he leaves them with. He says, and now this is how you fight. This is how you don't get overtaken by the enemy. So starting in, 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 in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So let's stop for a moment. Before we start really discussing what the armor of God is and, and how we use it, I, I, I just want to take a moment to highlight three really quick but important things. And, and the first thing I want to say about this spiritual war is that you cannot be neutral in this war. You can't be neutral. You can't just kind of sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. We have no choice but to be involved in this war. We don't. So you don't get a choice of whether or not you're in it, but you do have a choice of what side you want to be on. And I know that sounds extreme, but I just want to tell you, this is, that's not my opinion. I'm not, I'm not just telling you what I think. This is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And I, I just want to tell you guys how true this is. It may, not, it may not feel true all the time, but when I look back at periods of my life where I felt like I was just kind of being neutral, when I was, you know, kind of being Canada, uh, sorry, Michael. Uh, no, when I, when I was just kind of sitting back, Sorry, uh, I realized that I was actually doing more harm than I was being just neutral. And I've seen it over and over again in people's lives. The people who kind of just take a step back actually find themselves actually doing damage and hurting people and all kinds of things. It's, 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 it's been true in my life and the things that I have observed, but it's also, it also seems to be true in Scripture. So we cannot be neutral in this war. The second thing I want to I just communicate is I want to reiterate who our enemy is. It is so important that we know who our enemy is because if we are going to fight this war, if we, if we have no choice whether or not we are you know, in it or not, if we are just in the war, it's important that we know who we're fighting against. And we're not fighting against the wrong people. And I love how it tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The fight isn't against people. Our struggle is against, uh, it's a spiritual enemy. It's, it's the, the powers of darkness. It's the demonic forces. It's Satan. So we need to remind ourselves that there is no person or people group that we are fighting against. There is no person or people group who is our enemy. And, and, and listen, I think this is so 
important for, for the church and America to hear right now. That we are not fighting against people. They are not our enemies. We aren't fight our enemy aren't they're not Muslims. They're not atheists. They're not homosexuals. They're not immigrants. They're, it's not Donald Trump. It's not Hillary Clinton. It's not your ex. It's not uh, your boss at work. It's not the guy who cut you off on the way to church this morning. It's not the person who is bullying your kid. Our enemy is not a person or a people group. Our enemy is Satan. So when we look at these people groups or this person, we need to understand we cannot look at them filled with hate and judgment and, 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 and anger. We need to look at them filled with the compassion of Jesus Christ. Because at the, yes, amen. Because at the very worst, these people are not our enemy, but they are being held captive by the enemy that they are being held hostage by the enemy. So it is so important for us to, to remember today who our enemy is before we jump in. So we need, and, and listen, I understand that sometimes this is easier said than done. I understand. I understand, but we have to at least wrestle with that. We at least need to start settling that intellectually, okay? It's, it's just so important. But I understand if someone's hurting you, someone's hurting someone you love, yeah, it's hard to not see them as the enemy, but we need, we need to remember, we need to remind ourselves. Okay, number three, there is an urgency to this war. So this kind of gets lost in the translation a little bit, but Paul and this analogy of the armor of God, there is an urgency in his language. It's not saying, hey, when you get around to it, if you find time, throw on some armor. He's not saying, hey, once, once you know, arrows start coming at you, make sure you go grab that armor in your closet. Paul tells us, get your armor on now. There's a war going on. Put your armor on. There's an urgency in his language. And, and I really feel there's an urgency for us today that we have to understand. That the war is happening and we need to put on our, our armor. And, and let me just say this too. God is not calling us to put on our armor and sit in our living rooms. Or put on armor so we can come to, to church and enjoy fellowship with one another. Those things are great. I like sitting in my living room. I love coming to church with you guys. But the reason that we put on the armor is because we are, in, we are in, a, in a battle. We are in a war, and there's an urgency to it. We need to realize God is calling us to action. God is calling us to actively participate in this, this war he is, he is waging against the, the powers of darkness and, and that we are called to, to move his kingdom forward, to expand the, the kingdom of God. Uh, the author Robert Louis Stevenson, he talked about when he was a boy that he would, he would love to watch the, the, the guy who would go around in the 1800s, the guy would go around and light the lamppost lining the street. And every night he would watch this man lighting the light posts. And this was, you know, far beyond or far before they had electric light posts there. And this guy would go and light each one. And when asked why he loved to watch it, he said, I love watching a man poke holes in the darkness. 
And folks, that's what I believe God is calling us to do, to be men and women who are poking holes in the darkness, bringing light to to, to dark places. Because let me just ask this. This is the question that I feel like God has been asking me, and I feel like he's telling me to ask you guys. If, if, If we don't do it, who will? There are places in your communities, there, there, are, there are areas and, and people in, in your workplaces and in your neighborhoods and at your schools that are, in, that are dark. And they need the light. They need someone to poke holes in the darkness. And, and guys, Jesus is calling his church. Jesus is calling us to be those people. And there's an urgency to that. There's an urgency to that. And when we say yes to Jesus, we're not just saying yes to to this community and and all the wonderful benefits of of, of church and, 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 you know, relationship with God. We're saying yes to the mission of God, expanding his kingdom. So let's dive back in and look at the actual armor of God and and what it is. So we'll start and we'll pick back up in, in verse 14. Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So so here's something I really love about what Paul is saying here. See, when Paul is talking about this spiritual war, this battle that is happening, and how we get involved, he doesn't give us some really complicated prayers to pray. He doesn't talk about these like eight-step you know, processes in which we have to fight Satan. He doesn't even talk about like going and finding demonic forces and, and doing all these complicated things. He tells us to do some really simple things. He says, if you want to do battle, here's what you do. And he gives us simple instructions. He says, uh, our gear for the battle are, are things like truth, peace, righteousness, faith, salvation, scripture, and prayer. And the thing I love about that is that is stuff that is available for all of us. It's not just stuff that's like designated for like the Green Beret Christians or like the stealthy ninja Christians. It's for all of us. The armor of God is for all of us to put on and and get involved with it. And they're not complicated. Anybody can do it. And the other thing that I think that is really cool about these things like peace and truth and righteousness, I believe part of what Paul is saying is that the best way to wage war against the enemy is not to focus on the enemy and, and fight them and, and you know, pray against these demons. It's, it's to move the kingdom of God forward by doing things like spreading peace and speaking truth, and all of these things, I think it's really simple things. And I, and I, you know, I remember a number of years ago, I was sitting in a Bible study, 
and we were praying, and I believe it was my brother. Someone had this picture of us going around and, and praying for people and sharing our faith and, and caring for people in our communities. And every time that we would do that, we would you know, put a, a flag down. And we'd be claiming territory for the kingdom of God, saying like, you know, like this belongs to the kingdom of God and, and placing a flag down in, in the ground. With things like caring for someone when we share the gospel, when we share God's love, when we pray for the sick, when we feed the hungry, when we, when we worship God, when, we, when we're doing kingdom things, the things that God has called us to do, we are actually waging war on the enemy. And I find it way more effective than being focused on, on looking for demons when we are just, we are waging war on him when we are going around loving people and spreading the gospel, focusing on the things of God, bringing light to the darkness. And this is the example we see with Jesus, isn't it? In Jesus' life, this is what he did. He would, he would stay connected to his father and he'd say, I only, I only do what I, I hear the father tell me to do. And, and he would go around preaching the gospel healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and if a demon presented itself, he'd just get out of here. Get out of here. But he was far more focused on doing the things of his father than, you know, combating the things of the enemy, right? So I think the same is true for us. So let's go through these tools. The first one I want to talk about is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. So yeah, just just to, to understand what the belt was, it wasn't to hold up their armor pants. Uh, it was actually, it was a real thick piece of leather that covered your entire midsection, like your abdomen and all the way down to like your, your mid-thighs. So it was a, a huge thing and it went below and underneath all of the other pieces of armor. So it was the first piece of armor that you would put on. It was the, the foundational piece of gear that these soldiers would have and I and I and I believe that Paul is really intentional in saying that truth is our foundational piece of gear in this fight. That truth is so key in this fight that we have in this invisible war. One of our greatest tools is truth. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Satan manipulates truth. Satan is a really good liar. He, he disguises himself as an angel of light. He confuses situations. He's consp constantly whispering lies to us. I believe it's his number one weapon. Listen to this quote. There's a guy named William Grinnell who actually, he, did this, he wrote this 1,200-page book on these eight verses of the armor of God. And listen to what he says about this idea of truth and, and Satan lying to us. It says, Satan doesn't leave, leave fang marks on your flesh. He leaves lies in your heart. Satan doesn't leave fang marks on your flesh. He leaves lies in your heart. And we look throughout Scripture, and it seems like this is true. It seems like this is Satan's main weapon against us, all the way back to, to Genesis. Do you really think you shouldn't eat that fruit? You really do you think God? That, do you think God is is holding back on you? Maybe. I mean, He knows if you eat it, it's going to give you wisdom. It's going to maybe make you equal with Him. 
I don't, I don't know if God's got your best interest in mind. He's, he's lying. He's distorting the truth. And, and that's how he still acts today. He lies to us about, you know, do you really think it's that big of a deal if you do that? Like, no one's going to know about it. No one's going to see you do that. And no one has to find out. If you do it just once, it's not that big of a deal. Right? He lies to us about who we are or who, who God is or how we should treat one another. And, and so we need to remind ourselves with truth. That is, I think, one of the, the number one ways we do spiritual warfare is by speaking truth. We speak truth into our heart. When we sing worship songs, guys, when we come together and sing these worship songs, I would love to see what's happening in the heavenly realms. I would love to see what's ha happening behind the curtain in the spiritual realm when we are singing these truths about God because I believe major warfare is happening when we are worshiping. Because I, I really believe what we do in the natural has a, such a great effect in the supernatural. When we speak truth and when we sing these truths, we are poking holes in the darkness. We speak against the lies in our own hearts. I believe some of you here today have crippling anxiety. Some of you today are struggling. Some of you today are dealing with self-hate. And, and, and you just think, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm constantly blowing it. People would be better off without me. I'm ugly, I'm stupid. And I just, I just want to say right now, let's do some warfare. That's a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. And we, we need to not come in agreement with those lies and to start building the strongholds like Michael was talking about. We need to do battle and speak against those lies. I have value. God says, I am wonderfully made. I am a son. I am a daughter of the king. We speak those truths into our hearts, and we are, we are doing warfare. And we also speak tr truth, and, and we do battle for other people, right? When we speak truth into other people's lives, when you say to you know, a friend, you, you, know, you are so kind, you're one of the kindest people I know. That is warfare. When you, when you tell you know, a stranger or a friend at work, God loves you. That's warfare. When you tell maybe your small group leader, you tell, him, or you tell her or him, like, you are a phenomenal teacher. I love when you teach. You, you tell your boss at work, you are such a strong leader. That's warfare, guys. Satan is constantly lying to us about who we are, about everything. And when we are a voice of truth, we are poking holes in the darkness. So we use truth. I, I just had an opportunity this week. I was out to dinner with a friend of mine um, and, and our, our waitress, and I struck up this conversation, and I, I won't go fully into the story, but I was able to speak truth to this waitress and tell her how much God loves her, how much God is pursuing her, and there's nothing that she can do that can separate her from that. 
And she, she just began crying and telling me how much she needed to hear that. And it was just powerful. I was doing warfare by just saying simple things to someone, by just telling the truth. Truth is foundational in this war. All right, moving on. Breastplate of righteousness. So righteousness literally means doing what is right, choosing what is right. And I, and I believe we are advancing the kingdom. We're, we're putting flags down. We are poking holes in the darkness when we choose to do, when we choose to say what is right. And sometimes it's as simple as saying, you know, look, I really want to do this thing over here. I really want to do this, but I, but I know this is right. And so I'm going to do this. Like, I, I really want to sleep with my girlfriend or sleep with my boyfriend or do this thing, but I know it's wrong. I'm going to do what is right. Or, or I really want to cut this little corner in business. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's a little dishonest, but I know this is right, and so I'm going to do this. It's righteousness. Or I really want to have another drink or six tonight, but I'm not. I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to choose righteousness over sin. And again, this is another one. Simple in theory, but hard in practice. So I don't know about you guys. I still struggle with sin. Man, I'm, you, you, come on, guys. You do too. Admit it. Good, good. Amen. Doing what is right is hard. There's a cost to righteousness. Doing what is right and choosing righteousness, there's a cost to it. Sometimes it can cost us a promotion at work. Sometimes it can cost us our, you know, our, our reputation at work or, or popularity in school or, or all kinds of things. It can cost us all kinds of things. But I just want to ask you this. What, what did righteousness cost Jesus? It cost him everything. And he paid the price for you. He invited you into this relationship with him so you don't have to be righteous, but he's calling you to choose righteousness. Even though there's a cost. And not just not just doing the right things in our lives and, and making good choices, but I also think a part of righteousness is speaking up for things that are right. By, by using our voice to speak against things that are wrong. To speak out when someone is being bullied. Say, no, that is wrong. To speak up against systemic racism in our country. To say, no, we, we, we don't treat people that way. When people are being spoken about in, in ways that, that take away their dignity, that dehumanize them, we say, no, that is, that is not right. And, 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 and li listen, I'm, I'm going to soapbox for a second. Even if it goes against our political party, even if it goes against, we say, no, abortion is wrong. Abortion is wrong even if my political party says it's not. 
where we say putting kids in cages is wrong. Even when our political party says it's not. And when we see people maybe we're friends with, when, when, when they make a joke about maybe people of color, and of course, may, of course we don't go along with the joke, hopefully not, but we, we don't just stay silent. We say, I don't like that. That's not good. That's not right. Or when people talk about women and, and objectify women and, 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 and talk about women using words and names that are just dehumanizing, we say, that's not right. Don't talk about her that way. When, when people in power, maybe political figures, maybe, maybe our bosses are saying things that are wrong, we say, that is not right. And sometimes it'll cost us. But we say, that is not right. But we are called to righteousness, not self-righteousness. We're not called to be self-righteous. We're not called to be judgmental. We're not called to be self-righteous. We're called to, to, to be grounded in love. We're called to use wisdom. And when we speak about righteousness and what is right and what is wrong, we're called to remember, uh, to remember who our enemy really is, to treat people with dignity even if they are saying something we disagree with. But we need to put on our breastplate of righteousness. Next, we put on our boots of peace. I love this one. We are called to, to, to put on our boots that get us ready for the gospel of peace. I love that, that the, it, this is an action one. Our boots move us. Our, our boots take us places, and, and this is active because we have peace. Jesus has given us peace, and we are called to be distributing it, to counter. See, Satan loves to bring violence, to bring discord, to bring disunity, to bring chaos, and we are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And it is so paramount in today's society for us to be peacemakers because our society is, is fighting. We are on edge over every single issue. And there is such discord, such unity, disunity. And let me ask you this real, real quick. The way you speak, the way you, you know, what you post on Facebook is it a voice of peace or does it add fuel to the fire? This is a balancing act with the last one, right? Speaking out for what's right, but also being a people of peace. And I, I really believe there's a way to do that. We can be kind, we can listen, but we also stand up for what's true and right and bring peace. Are you a voice of peace or are you adding fuel to the fire? Are you escalating situations or are you calming situations? How about when you get cut off in traffic? Are you a voice of peace? What about when someone lies to you or lies about you at work? Are you a voice of peace at your kid's sporting event? 
when there's a bad call, are you a voice of peace? What about when someone posts something you disagree with on Facebook? Are you a voice of peace? Satan loves it when we're fighting. That's one of his weapons. And, and we get to bring peace. And when we do, when we, when we are people of peace, we are doing spiritual warfare. We are advancing the kingdom of God. We're, we're bringing light to dark places. Okay, our shield of faith. This one's interesting. The, the rest of the ones that we have been talking about so far are things that you, that you wear, that you just have on. Right? That you just kind of have on you. But your shield was something that you would actually have to lift up. That you would actually have to, to raise up. And, and it was a soldier's first line of defense. It was their primary defensive piece of armor. It was also offensive as well. But it was their primary piece of defensive armor. And when the arrows from the enemy were coming in, yeah, I mean, your breastplate and your, your helmet and all these things might do some good, but you really want to block it with your, with your shield. And so it's something we need to, to lift up. And I believe faith is the same way. It's something that we need to choose to lift up. Something that we decide that when we are doing warfare. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When things don't make sense in our lives, when we don't understand why things are happening, why, why is this person I love, why are they so sick? Why am I constantly dealing with depression and anxiety? Why am I always broke? Why did my husband leave me? I mean, when we're faced with these horrible things, faith says, I am going to trust you, Jesus. Because it's in those moments of questions that Satan can get in there, right? Satan can begin using his lies and spinning webs and, and doing all of these things that can, can really cause so much destruction in our lives. But in those moments, we get to choose and say, no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to lift my shield of faith and believe and trust that God is good. And trust, I'm going to keep pursuing him. I'm going to keep believing him. I'm going to keep doing the things that he's calling me to do. I'm going to lift my faith up and keep going forward. No matter what the enemy does, we say, I'm going to choose faith. And that is, a, that is such a key part of this war. Our helmet of salvation See, I, this kind of goes back to what Michael was talking about a number of weeks ago, that we need to remind ourselves that the war is won. Jesus rescued us. Jesus saved us. The, Michael put it this way. He said, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. The war has been won. Jesus has delivered us. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate us now from the love of God. The Bible tells us that, that the, 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 the gates of hell will not, will not prevail against us. 
It says that if he is for us, then who can be against us? We've been saved. We've been rescued. We don't have to fear. So we use our, our helmet of salvation, remembering that the, that the war is over. Jesus won. But it's also spreading the message of salvation. Telling people about how Jesus has rescued them. About how their sins have been forgiven and that Jesus loves them and desires them and, and wants to rescue them out of their muck and of their mire. And, and what better way to do warfare than to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? To go to these dark places and, and bring light to them, to, 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 to put a, the flag in the ground saying, No more does this belong to the enemy. I claim this for the kingdom of God. Salvation. And so I want to encourage you in your everyday life, there are, there are people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to hear about how Jesus is on this, this mission to rescue and reconcile the world back to himself. And you have tools. You have, you have your story of salvation. That's one of the best tools we have. Tell them about how God saved you. And, and another great tool, invite them to church. I can promise you that every time I am up here, I'm going to talk about the good news. I'm going to talk about how Jesus is on a rescuing mission and how Jesus loves them. And I, this is a church where we talk about that and they're going to hear about Jesus, his character and his love and his rescuing mission if they come here. So we, we, we have these six packs as you leave of invites that you can invite your friends to church. And we're not doing, I, I want you to hear this. When we talked about doing this, we're not doing this so we can grow our church and become big. We're doing this because we believe in the mission of Jesus Christ. And we want people to meet him. So I want to encourage you, invite your friends to church. Tell them about salvation. All right, the sword of the Spirit. It tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It's the word of God. And, and Andrew hit on this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to go super deep into it. But we do battle with the word of God, with Scripture. I love the story about Jesus in the wilderness when he's being tempted by Satan and Satan comes at him with all these things like, hey, you know, you could do this, turn the, the stone into bread, do this and this and this and this. And Jesus every time responds to Satan with scripture. He says, no, I'm not going to do that because this is written. And we get to do uh, warfare against the enemy the same way. So Satan today, if he's telling you that you're not loved, we say, no, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Or if God says, you know, or if Satan says, God's not going to take care of you. You got to take a hold of this situation because I, I think God's going to let you down. We say, no, my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. He says, you should be ashamed of yourself. You've blown it really big this time. This sin is too much now. You've really blown it. You should be ashamed. We say, no, Scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Romans 
the enemy's trying to use fear against you. <clears throat> we, we say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. My mom taught me this one when I was like four or five years old. <clears throat> Anytime I feel attacked, anytime I feel like there's the presence of the enemy, I just say, resist the devil and he will flee. James 4, 7. So I resist you. Get out of here. All right, the, the last piece of armor, I don't know if Paul forgot, but it does, actually doesn't have a piece of armor associated with it in, in here, but it's prayer. The final piece of instruction that Paul says is pray in the Spirit in all occasions. That's, that's, there is, we're doing warfare when we pray. It, one, it fixes our eyes on Jesus, helps us focus on him too. There is power in our prayers. Do you believe that? There is power in our prayers. And I'm not going to dive super deep into prayer because Heather is going to really hit on this next week. But let me just say there is power in prayer, and it's, it's, it's a mystery. I don't understand totally how it works, but it does. It changes things. It changes things. So, so, let, me, so let me wrap up saying this. Our best tactic in, 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 in fighting the enemy is, is not focusing on the enemy. God's not calling us to be demon hunters. He's not calling us to go around looking for demons and, and fighting them. He's calling us to simply advance his kingdom. And that's how we do warfare. And when the enemy shows his face, we say, get out of here. We say, leave in the name of Jesus. We use these things like truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and scripture and prayer. But, but, but let me say this. When we go out into the world, we can do these things. Like we can go be really righteous and speak lots of truth and, and be people of peace and we can still be overcome by the enemy. And why is that? Well, I think there's two great things, two bad things that happen sometimes when we're out doing that. One is we become more focused on the enemy than on God. And we lose our focus on him because we're so focused on the enemy. And I've seen this happen. I remember a number of years ago when, actually, it was right when I started working here at the church. There was all of this demonic activity happening in my life. All of this stuff, I felt like I was under major attack from the enemy and lots of really crazy things. Like, real quick story um, was, it culminated in this night I was reading and I heard like a snarling dog behind me. And I don't, I don't have a dog, so that concerned me. And so I, I turned around and there was nothing. So I kept reading and then all of a sudden, the, the snarling dog was right by my ear. Just really loud. And I remember talking to my dad and saying, you know, Dad, what do I do? What do I do? Why is this happening? And he said, you know, Satan's just trying to distract you. He's saying, you're doing the stuff that God has called you to do, and Satan doesn't like that, and he wants you to get your eyes off the thing that God has called you to do and, and on to Satan. 
and to be scared and to think, oh, what do I do about Satan? And what, is the, what are these demons doing? And, and, and that would be really wrong. I should be focusing on the kingdom. But really, I think the main reason that we can get overcome by the enemy, even when we're doing all the right things, it's not enough to just do the right things. We can go out and do all the good in the world, and that has value, but it's not sustainable, and there's no real power behind it. See, we need to understand that we do not go into war without the Spirit of God inside of us. Without Jesus, we need to understand that Jesus has won the war, he is our Savior, and we go into war with him. We don't go out and do the things without him. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We need to be transformed by the, 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 the gospel of Jesus and being filled with the Spirit and going out in that power because it's the armor of God, not the armor of man. It comes from his power. All these things that we're talking about, they, we can manufacture forms of them, but we don't get the real thing unless we have the Spirit of God living in us. Here's what I mean. Truth. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the truth, that there's not truth apart from me. Righteousness, the Bible tells us in Romans 3 that we cannot claim righteousness on our own. We need to receive the righteousness of Jesus. We don't go into war without him. Peace, Jesus is the prince of peace. Ephesians 4 tells us that he, Christ himself, is our peace. We don't go into war without him. Faith. Ephesians 2 tells us that faith is a gift from God, that he is the perfecter of our faith, so we don't go into war without him. Salvation. Isaiah 12 tells us that God is our salvation, so we don't go into war without him. The word of God, I love it. John chapter 1 tells us that the word of God, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. We don't go into war without him. Prayer, this is so interesting that even when it talks about praying in the spirit, there's something weird about prayer that it's to God, but somehow it is we're praying in the spirit. It comes from him. That even our prayer, it is, it, we don't do it without God. We don't go into war without him. We're not called to be Rambo Christians. <laughs> we're not called to go into it alone we need to have the kingdom of God. We need to have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Because we'll be overcome by the enemy if we do it alone. He is our power. We need to be connected to him. He's our source. He's our truth. He's our righteousness. He's our peace. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's our salvation. He is the word of God. He is, he is everything. So we don't go to war without him. Why don't we stand? I feel like God wants to do some warfare this morning. Are you guys up for that? To bring some light to the darkness. So why don't we just stop for a second? Just like the model of Jesus, we only do what we see, hear and see our Father doing. 
Let's stop for a second. Let's dial down and listen to what the Father might be doing. So come, Holy Spirit. We just ask you to come speak to us. Bring your light. Poke holes in the darkness. So I, I believe there are people here with, with chronic headaches. Who is that? Just raise your hand if you have chronic headaches. Raise them up. God, God wants to heal you this morning. Chronic headaches. Is that over there? Okay. Anyone else? I felt like there was like, like three or four people. Well, well, we'll invite you forward to get some prayer. But I also felt like God was saying there's people who have a lot of fear right now. Fear over their situation in life. Fear over things with their loved ones, fear over next step decisions. Some people are, are, are afraid of the demonic. And there's just fear over certain areas of your life. And I feel like God wants to prove to you how strong he is and how much he loves you. So I want to invite you forward to get prayer. But I also just feel if you have any kind of sickness, if you're struggling with anything this morning, whether it's physical sickness or something emotional or something that's happening in your life, we want to pray for you. We want to do warfare with you here this morning. So uh, we're going to sing one last song, and I just want to invite you guys to sing along because there is power in, in our song. There's power, like, like we were saying, I wonder what's happening in the spiritual realm when we are singing these truths. And Michael? Just... To add to what JT's saying, I feel like there's some people that God, in this whole thing of the battle, that he wants to give you, your, your perspective is off. And I saw someone sitting, and, and, and uh, it, what you were experiencing, or at least what the enemy was trying to convince you of, was I saw like these eagles just swirling all around you, and it was just so oppressive, and it was, you know, in your thoughts, your emotions. And then the Lord sort of flicked the perspective, and then you looked and you realized it was a bunch of little mosquitoes. And I felt like the enemy, he tries to convince us that he's this big frightening. And, and, but there's people today that it goes in with what JT is saying about fear, that God wants to give you the kingdom perspective to see the enemy, the defeated foe, for what he really is. So if that's you, I'd really encourage you to, to get prayer. Yeah, so if any of those things apply to you, just come forward. Fear, headaches, or any, any physical pain or emotional issues or anything like that, please come forward and we'd love to pray for you. And as, as people come forward, uh, we're going to do battle. We're going to come next to them, put our hand on their shoulder. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit and listen to what God is saying. And then we're just going to pray over them. And if we can have guys, pray for guys and, and gals, pray for gals. And remember, I just want to say this too, as we're praying for people, um, this isn't counseling. We're not, we're not saying a lot of words. We're just, we're just, we're just letting the Lord minister. And so, uh, yeah, just keep that in, in your mind. So come on forward. And we're going to need a lot of pr prayers this morning.